Welcome everyone to Beyond Queer Stories. Today we have someone you all know. We have Ashabi with us who's going to tell a story. Ashabi is a Nigerian-American artist in Chicago with a background in psychology and biology. She's passionate about all the identities she encompasses and proud to be a person people go to to be educated on that. She's been a creator for about nine plus years and enjoys learning about different methods of expression. She hopes to be in grad school in a few months to further pursue her education in psychology to continue being that person people come to for help while moving forward in her artistry in the meantime. She's also one of the co-hosts of this lovely podcast. Welcome. Hey. Shari. What's up? <laughs> Me, your girl. <laughs> Yay. So I'm excited. I get to interview you. Yay. What identities would you say most influence your experiences? Well, I'm black, so that's a big one. Um, I'm a woman. That's also a big one. I also am a, I am also asexual. That's also a big one. So these are all like things that I have to deal with on a daily basis. Not even like consciously, but like unconsciously. Like, I'm always mm-hmm. thinking about it because of the fact that like of how I present myself. Like I'm a very touchy feely person and that's just like a very cultural thing for me like I can't stop (laughs) and I've I've had to go from like being that person to not being that person to understanding that people have boundaries so like also being that person that needs to like respect those boundaries and be respectful of like space but it's also like I'm also asexual so typically people think of asexuality as a person who's like sex repulse doesn't date doesn't like do anything like sexual or anything at all and and like i'm not that so that's adding a complication to my identity already because mm-hmm. like black women already are like hypersexualized and i have to deal with that every day on top of being asexual it's just like okay well even though this is how society sees me this is who i am and i need you to respect that but then I have to deal with people who come into my life and don't respect that. And it's like a whole thing that I have to at first internalize and then sit back and realize that I don't have to cut corners with how I identify and like who I am with people. Like it's either you accept me or you don't. And I have to like have conversations with people like either they're my partner or just my friend. I have to like sit down and be like, okay, look, this is why this is it. <laughs> this is why this is it. Understand this. If you don't, I don't know what I can, what else I can do for you because I'm not going to change. So those are the things that I have to like deal with right now. Not in a bad way, but just like in a, I'm aware of the fact that I'm not the norm of like any of these things. So I have to like make my own norm and mm-hmm. work it. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And it kind of makes me think about, like you said, these opposite stereotypes that people have where, like, the hypersexualization of black women, but then the assumption of asexuality being the absence of any sexuality or <laughs> any sexual or intimate mm-hmm. connection. And then one of those being a very visible identity and one being a very invisible identity. Yeah. So I imagine that can 
be tricky to navigate and have to face those assumptions <laughs> all the time. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I don't want to say it's, and it's not bad, it's just that I have to understand all the time that people don't care unless you make them care. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't even care after you make them care. Like, after you try your hardest to educate them, they don't care. So I have to, like, kind of pull back and, like, not be so upset at certain times because it's not on me if you don't want to open yourself to a conversation to understand what this is. Because when, like, conversations like these happen, like, you might even discover something else about yourself that you didn't even know. And that's what's more important for me. Like, I like letting people know this is who I am, but I also like letting people know this, like, this is not, like, a linear thing. Like, asexuality amongst, like, of all the other sexualities and genders, like, it's not linear. Like, you don't have to be this one thing to fit into that um, description. And having to do that a lot is frustrating, but also kind of rewarding, because some people actually, like, sit there and they're like, oh, well, I never really thought of it like that. And then you explain to them, like, the other identities that like are encompassing asexuality or like of other asexualities it's like oh wow that sounds like me or like that sounds like something that i can relate to and it's like okay well that can be like a rewarding moment but it's usually like hella frustrating so yeah (laughs) (laughs) nice well thanks for sharing all that yeah So, I think one of the things I want to ask about, because I don't think you've, like, had the opportunity to talk about it much, but is your artistic side and what you do and what you love. Um, Can you tell us about that? Well, my artistic side, I model and I photograph. I've been modeling since I was 17 and off and on since I've been going to school and doing that. So, as I started modeling, I started getting into photography. I had a photographer that I used to work with give me his old camera, and I used that to shoot, and I've been shooting with that ever since. And yeah, I mean, those are the two things right now that I'm like focused on and like continuing to pursue and like further and build. So, what was that decision process like for you, or what got you into modeling when you first started? Well. It's funny because when I was in high school, all my friends were like, you should totally audition for America's Next Top Model. And I'm like, um, it's not a good idea, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I appreciate the fact that you think that I have that potential. Um, and so I had a friend who was going into photography for like college and I asked her to take some of my pictures so I could like start pursuing that more seriously. Mm-hmm. And with that being done I was able to like get my foot in the door and like use the pictures that I got from my friend to look out for photographers that wanted to shoot and help me build up my portfolio and yeah that's how that got started awesome yeah so you just went for it yeah I mean like why not like my parents are super strict and they weren't the they still aren't the most supportive people for that like they don't Mm -hmm. really think of it as like a career but it's something that makes me like happy and something that makes me really excited to like think about because I'm able to use a different part of like my mind to like make different things happen and make it happen if I'm not the model, make it happen for the person I'm shooting. So I'm able to like release that creative energy and like make something really cool. So. Nice. Very cool. 
What has been one of your favorite shoots that you've done? Oh, oh, okay. So, um, over the like over the summer, I shot with this brand, and I shot with this photographer, and like the brand itself is just like really lacy, like underwear, and like we all like got to shoot together. So she brought on a bunch of other like femme, non-binary like people to come like shoot the line, and so I got to shoot with all these beautiful amazing super sweet people and all the pictures came out like super dreamy and just like super pretty and, like there's one picture of us all just like sitting and like laughing and it's, it's just like oh, wow I, I like i like shooting with like more women than i like shooting with men because it's like a lot more like comfortable for me and like, to, like everyone else just like get into the flow of things and just like not be so constricted with oh if i'm moving this way am i gonna be like potentially attracting the photographer like seducing him or et cetera, et cetera. Like, i don't have to think about those things so, like that shoot really reiterated the fact that i really like shooting with like other women or other like femme non-binary people because it's mm-hmm. just a more comfortable environment and i'm able to produce better work awesome yeah cool so what's it like for you when you're on the opposite side of the camera what do you like to shoot what kind of images do you like to capture when i'm on the opposite side so I started shooting, like, my friends recently. Well, not recently. I started shooting my friends when I first got the camera. I just, like, said, hey, let me just take a picture. I think you look really good, so let me just mm-hmm. shoot, you, shoot you, like, for a little bit. And they would say yes, and then I shot my friends and did their headshots. We, like, did, like, little mini shoots downtown. And, like, outside of that, I actually really like shooting cityscapes and landscapes because you don't really think about it at all. You don't really think about, like, how the sky changes and how, like, it looks when it rains versus when it's like a dry day and it's not like humid yeah. and stuff. So I like shooting that and I like capturing that a lot because it's just, I guess you get to see, you get to appreciate the mundane aspects of life that you don't really like notice. And that on top of shooting, like my friends is just like really nice. I'm just able to like capture them in the, in their best light and like mm-hmm. show them that, hey, you know, this is a really good picture of you. I think you should pursue this or use this as like anything that you'd like and like understand that like you are as attractive as you think so mm-hmm. awesome yeah nice that's fun and i know that you've you know worked somewhat with other media as well in terms of, like video oh, things like that yeah Can you tell us about that <laughs> <laughs> so um i started working on this project called dear 45 and that was like before I realized that podcasts were a thing, I didn't know that was like a thing people did. I was interviewing people, I want to say a year and a half after the election and trying to figure out like how things have been affecting their lives, like different. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed like three friends, but they're all like different levels of my, of like the friendship spectrum, I guess. Mm, yeah. So I was able to see and understand like, different aspects of how this administration and how this like society that we live in has been like affecting Mm -hmm. them and it was really interesting because when I was doing it I wasn't doing um video at the time I was using like my phone just like putting it in between us just like having a conversation like asking Mm -hmm. questions and like as I was asking questions I was taking pictures of them and like photographing them and their emotions in like Mm -hmm. real time so people would understand that this is like how this is like affecting this person. And so I stopped doing that 
and I moved to doing it more on like a documentary type platform. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing audio, my plan is to do more like video and audio. And if I can like possibly have a day with that person and like interview that person like the whole day or like maybe for an hour and just like follow their story and like see how they're living, see how it's been affecting them, mm-hmm. see what things have changed in their lives since this has been a thing. And um yeah, that's pretty much where that has been going and where like my video video videography like mm-hmm. like videography interests <laughs> has like peaked. Cause it's really cool. Like you don't really get to see a lot of emotion. Um, I don't want to say that. Well, you get to see emotion translated in picture. It hits harder when you have a voice mm-hmm. connected to that picture or connected to that person because you're able to like humanize them and like understand that this is a real life person telling yeah. you their struggles and telling you why this isn't okay. So that's pretty much where that interest has been <laughs> with that. Very cool. Yeah. Is there anything that stands out for you in terms of like people you've already interviewed that um, shared some things that really has impacted them? Honestly, I think the other person, well, I interviewed one of my friends and I'm really (laughs) glad that I got to do that because they are a trans woman and they are Asian and they have like, they've gone through like a lot of things with that being their like identity that they hold on to and they like were able to explain to me about how like legislation and like laws have been retracted to mm-hmm. remove the safety of their being who they are mm-hmm. essentially and I think that one I don't want to say it hit me the most but it kind of just put me in their shoes for a little bit because yeah. I was able to understand that I mean me as a person who is not trans and a person who is trans will obviously have different experiences in life and the only experience that, that we actually like hold on to is the fact that we both have like marginalized identities that we are like identified with but with that specific interview I think I like the fact that I was able to hear them like share their story with that and mm-hmm. hear how it's been affecting them this is only like a year and a half into the election so it wasn't even like that deep so a lot Mm -hmm. of things have happened since then so I'm really hoping that I can get more of that story and like understand where they're at now with how all of this has been like yeah unfolding for sure yeah and I remember when the election first happened that a lot of people who I talked to who didn't have any marginalized identities kept telling me like well nothing's really going to change like why are you even concerned about this mm. like nothing is really going to be that impactful but they had the privilege to not have to worry about that mm-hmm. so i think it's so important to really highlight people who already have been impacted and mm-hmm. the ways they've been impacted because it's really easy for people who aren't impacted by it to minimize those experiences and not acknowledge those experiences if people are still denying it, I I don't know what <sighs> hole they're living in. <laughs> it's impacting people in huge ways. Yeah. Whether it's like their ability to kind of go through daily life or their mental health or their job security, it's really impacting people. So that's a great project. I'm excited to hear where that goes. Like I'm hoping that I have time to actually dedicate to that because it is like 
a project. Like, it's, mm-hmm. like, a thing. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to go back to it anytime soon because, like, I'm hosting this podcast. It's really cool. But, like, <laughs> I feel like... Doing a bunch of things. Yeah, <laughs> doing a bunch of things. Like, and not, it's not even, like, it's bad things. It's just, like, I have, like, so many things that I want to do. Yeah. And that was on the list of, like, continuing. Mm-hmm. But it's also, like, I don't want to be... I don't want to continue to add any, like, I guess, like, sorrow to the story. I don't want to add any more, like, sadness Mm -hmm. to the story. I want to be able to create a space for people who have been experiencing this to, like, let that go and, like, Mm -hmm. understand that even though this is happening, like, you still have people who are fighting for you. Yeah. So... I'm not sure if I'm going to continue, but, like, it was definitely an eye-opener for me in regards of, like, what I'm interested in outside of, like, artistry and outside of, like, modeling and photography. I really like the fact that I'm able to sit down and listen mm-hmm. to people and, like, hear what's hurting them or hear what's painting them and, like, offer up a solution if I can or yeah. just offer up that space to just listen. So, yeah. But. And hearing you describe it in that way kind of makes me think about how that intersects with your interest in mental health Mm -hmm. and psychology. Yeah. How do you see those things intersecting for you within art and then psychology? With that question, how it like intersects when I started to like be more interested in school, like psychology was something that really like piqued my interest Mm -hmm. and like, my parents weren't really, like, on board with that. They didn't want me to be, like, a shrink and stuff mm, like that. Same. Yeah. I totally know. Yeah. That, but thank you. <laughs> so, well, I was just like, well, it's not what they're called. They're called, like, psychiatrists. And I tried First to make, like, I tried, like, bartering with them, be like, okay, well, if I go to med school, I'm going to do this. So here's my, like, compromise with you all. For me going to med school, I'm going to go be a psychiatrist because I'm still doing what I want and still mm-hmm. doing what you want. And that didn't work out, so I ended up, like, even though I had, like, interests in other things, like, psychology's been my main interest. Yeah. And being able to just delve further into, like, all of the topics that go into psychology, mm-hmm. I think that the fact that I'm not only interested in, like, hearing stories and, like, sitting down and listening, I'm also interested in that. I think, obviously, they intersect, and obviously, they, like, it means that I am very passionate about this enough to pursue in different levels and different mediums. I just think that um, with my being so interested in psychology, I think that it's kind of inevitable for me to just go back to school, inevitable for me to continue moving forward with that and just like powering through it and being able to help people as much as I can in every way, shape, and possible. I know early on it's, like, hard to pinpoint this, but what do you envision doing with that? Like, what – is there a certain population you think you want to work with? Or is there a certain, like, field in psychology that you want to work with in terms of, like, in schools or, like, private practice? So my end goal for, like, grad school and getting licensed and all that is to open up a private practice and – I want to have it geared towards, like, like Nigerians and, like, African community first, because I grew up not having that, like, representation at all, like, not having, like, anybody to talk to about that, and me being who I am and, like, going through certain things that, like, first-generation, like, African kids go through, I feel like I have no other choice but to be that person who, like, 
sits down with the family or with the kid and just say like you know I understand what you're going through like here are some things that have helped me or that here are some like um, resources I can give you that have assisted other people like you and hopefully with that helping the child I can also like talk to parents in that situation and like sit down with them and like tell them well like I get where you're coming from like I understand all like your concerns and your fears but also listen to your kid because I feel like there's always a disconnect with parents who are like who have their kids in America like sex first generation anything there's just like this really big like generational gap it's a really big language gap it's a really big like identity gap for like everyone and like having that person in the middle just be that bridge like yeah. I think it helps a lot for and like sure. when I'm able to like do that I want to also open up that practice to like not just like Africans and, like Nigerians I want to be able to have like different people who identify as like specific things being able to have that be their target audience whenever they come in and like hopefully have people who are like Hispanic come in like have like more Hispanic clients or people who are like from Syria come in and have more Syrian clients and, like all of these things I want to be yeah. able to like have a space where people feel like they have somebody that looks like them and relates mm-hmm. to them and like they're comfortable having that voice in that room and understanding that nobody in there is going to judge them because that's just like something that I've always seen and something that's always been in the back of my mind even like before psychology just like always wanting to have that person mm-hmm. and if I didn't have that person I want to be able to be that person for somebody else that's great thanks <laughs> I know you mentioned that your parents weren't very supportive of you wanting to go into psychology. Could you talk a little bit about what the culture is regarding mental health in Nigerian families? Well, or at I, least from what you've experienced. Yeah, I can't speak on, <laughs> on on all Nigerian families, right? But I can like again like speak on mine, and it wasn't. It's never really been a thing that we like talked about at all. I don't really think that we ever sat down and had a conversation about, like, our feelings ever. And, like, even when, like, I'm a very emotional person. And when I, like, emote, my parents are, A, devastated. And, B, they, like, try to stifle that as quickly as possible. And they don't really give me space to, like, mourn or space to, like, feel anything. So it's been, like, really, really hard to understand that I am an emotional person go through periods of my life where I haven't been able to express that emotion and now I'm in this period of my life where I'm able to express that emotion to whatever degree I wish and Mm -hmm. finding that middle ground that balance so like with that being like one of my family dynamics it was really rough because when something happened in my family it's not like we would talk about it it would just be like I would be overhearing it and I would have a conversation with them about it and then they'd be like why are you listening into my conversation or why are you listening mm. <laughs> and like what what are you doing and then like it's okay well sorry and then I will go back and like think about it and then we'll come back and like talk about it but not like talk about the feelings it's more like a just talk about the situation and just like leave it alone I think that growing up with that I mean I can name like countless like events that like went from zero to 100 and could have just stopped at like 15 if Mm. we had a discussion and I think that's just like how it's always been like 
right now I'm not with my family. Like I'm except like like what is it called? I moved away. But with that being like with them being so distant from like me and my sister, it's like okay, well let me reach out and like let me try and like see how they are. Let me like not be that person who didn't give them room to like feel anything. Let me give them, let me let them know that you can come back and like be that emotional person without any like judgment. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been like a uh, ongoing struggle because I don't really know how to like bluntly address that with my family because it's always that rule of like respect and like you can't be disrespectful and like whenever I say things I am very blunt but not in a disrespectful way just as like this is how it is type of way mm-hmm. so I can't do that with my parents so I have to like sugarcoat things all the time or like find ways to have them understand that this isn't okay. And whenever I've had those discussions with them, it's always been, like, a fight. It's always been an argument. It's never been a, you're, I understand how you're feeling, blah, blah, blah. It's always been, like, fight, 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 fight. And then the fight leads to, like, really negative things being said. And then it leads into one of us crying, which is me in my room. Mm -hmm. And my parents just leaving. And then me, like, ignoring them or them ignoring me or, like, both of it happening at the same time. And then it being like a I have to go back to them and say okay well can we talk or can we like do something about this because it's an okay and yeah 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 it's hard I feel like there's just kind of an overall culture across so many countries America included to like not really talk about emotion and I think like as psychologists like we see so much of that and see so many people who are just trying to learn how to even articulate their emotions Mm -hmm. because we're not really taught how to do that typically Mm -hmm. you know like sometimes people have families that are really open and communicative but more often than not we really aren't comfortable talking through emotions you kind of have to yeah because they're not gonna go away just by (laughs) kind of suppressing them and not expressing them it's like it's bottled up and it's like really unhealthy you're gonna have to like deal with all of those feelings and then somebody who shouldn't have to deal with that ends up getting the worst end of that and it's just like oh well yeah now i have to go to therapy and i'm like deal with all of this because i wasn't able to deal with it when i was younger yeah my advisor told us this really great metaphor one time that i've used so much with clients that is like if you avoid dealing with something it's like pushing a beach ball down in a pool and trying to keep it down but inevitably it's gonna pop back up in your face like Mm -hmm. it's gonna come up you can only hold it down for so long and i think that's so true it's such a good representation of like whether it's emotion or an experience or anything you're trying to just bottle up and suppress it's gonna pop back up because you have to work through it yeah so now to transition into your story i want to talk about being asexual and being Nigerian American and having to feel not having to but like feeling lesser of all of these identities always and I don't know if that's something that like I feel like me personally I relate to it because of the fact that asexuality isn't uh like very talked about sexuality Mm -hmm. so I've been always trying to figure out if I fit into this box or not and with me being like Nigerian and American, I've always been in the middle of either being too little of a Nigerian or being too much American to have that title of like being Nigerian. 
And I think that it's just been a thing that's been a part of me forever. Like when I was growing up, my family, like we went from like the north side to the south side, like this really big, nice, like beautiful house in the south suburbs. And like we went to a school that didn't have people that really looked like me. So like I would come home and like me and my sister would obviously like speak the dialect, like speak Yoruba, speak with my family, and like we would have family friends come over, but it's still like I'm not at home for a majority of the day. I'm like outside of home I'm at school. And when I'm at school, I'm interacting with people that don't look like me. I'm interacting with people who like see me and like see me as like other and like like to highlight that other even when I'm trying to just not be seen at certain points, only because of the fact that with the lack of diversity at that school, I was always, like, picked on, I was always seen as, like, like not enough or other, like, I was always, like, the last person, like, standing and, like, everything. So with that feeling being there since I was, like, little and this other, like, identity coming up as I like progress I've always been in the middle of like trying to figure out what I can do to make myself more African or make myself more Nigerian and like having to navigate that and as I got into high school I was able to see more people that look like me which was really nice but then I was able to have that other like feeling of lesser when I'm seeing people at the school that aren't identified as African or Nigerian like I'm interacting with people who are white I'm interacting with people who are African-American I'm interacting with people who aren't like any of these things and like when I'm interacting with these specific groups like African-Americans and like like white people it's just like I'm too white to be black and they would call me an Oreo or I'm too black to be I'm too African to be associated with the people that aren't so they would always always see me as others so I would always get like nicknames from like like the like derogatory African sense in high school too and it was like not again the best situation to be in but the difference between me being in grade school and having to do with that and me being in high school and having to do with that was that in high school, I had people that also felt like other in my group and didn't feel like they fit in. So I was able to secure, like, friendships and, like, secure, like, experiences and, like, all of these things with them and have that ability to express myself in a, like, non-linear way. Like, I was able to sit there and be like, yeah, here's my food that my mom made for me. And they would laugh at it that I'd make fun of them and it's like okay well it's over you're gonna eat it anyway I'm like yeah that's exactly what's gonna happen so like it's it's it was like a nicer form of me feeling lesser still but with that being said I still didn't have that sense of like community with me being like Nigerian and American I didn't have that um like friendship circle growing up I didn't have that friendship circle like in any sense and that I think hurt me because when I end up going to community college I end up in an environment that was like all Africans and like like the ratio to white to African which is like like disproportionate which was great for me because I was able to like see how other Africans present themselves in the U.S. and like in this environment and whenever I like 
went up to like another person that I felt was also like Nigerian or like African of some sort, they would kind of look at me differently and like look at me like, oh, well, you don't sound like you're African. You don't sound like you're from this like area. Where were you born? And I'm like, I was born here. It's like, okay, so you're American. It's like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm still, I'm still this thing just because I was born here. Like, I still speak the language as good as you. I still understand it fluently, but it was never enough for them to fully accept me as that. And that's, again, something that I've had to deal with since I was little, and I've been dealing with consecutively from grade school to high school to community college. And when I left community college, I ended up going to like a four-year, and at that place, I actually ended up finding people that fit what I was. And it makes me really emotional because it took me like, what, 20-something years to find that? And it's just like, well... Why did it take me so long to find people that identify with and find people that like have a similar background to me? Like, why did it have to suck so long for me to like find like a group for me to feel comfortable in? And when I found that group, I like like by script on all of them, <laughs> and like all of them like understood me. They all understood what I was trying to say. They understood that the fact that you know some of them were born in Africa, some of them came here after like a few years of being there and like they had that transitionary period of like not being seen as enough or not being seen as um or being seen as lesser because of the fact that they weren't in a certain area for a certain amount of time or if they like their parents just like shift them over here just like have a better life and like assimilate more into american culture like i was able to see that that was a thing and that i wasn't the only one that had a similar background to that and it was really, really nice. And I think that that was the first time that I was able to see myself as not lesser, but like enough in that aspect. When it comes to like my sexuality and asexuality, I th- that was like a harder thing for me to navigate because A, there wasn't very much information on the internet about asexuality and where I got most of my information from was Tumblr when it was still a big thing and I'm super grateful for Tumblr pre the like drama because everyone on there was just open about who they were and like what was going on and from there I was able to like find a community of people that fit that identity and like fit that asexual title And from there, I was able to see that there are different identities that go with being asexual. And there's like, it's an umbrella term. And I was able to see where I fit in. And when I found out about this term in general, I already went through periods of like, being like, I guess, like taken advantage of because I didn't understand that this isn't like, even though this is a normal thing for like my friends to be going through it wasn't a normal thing for me to be going through and I didn't see that I just saw like I wanted to be involved I wanted to have a relationship I wanted to be like what my friends were doing and I was like doing it which sounds really bad right now but it's reality and I have to own up to that but I was able to like take myself out of those situations and sit back and say like did I actually like really like that? Did I actually think that was a good idea? Do I think that 
that was something that would have made me happy and like thinking back like these aren't really things that would have made me happy at all like I would have been better off not doing anything but I can't go back and change time so it's I have to live with it and like move forward from that and when I found out about asexuality I was in a lot of unhealthy relationships I guess like involved with a lot of unhealthy people and during these times I wasn't out loud about my sexuality because I was still really confused about if I really was asexual because at first all I saw was that okay you're sexual that means you don't have sex and you don't like doing sexual things with people and it's like okay but what if I do like what does that make me is that make me like not that am I like not any more of that than another person is who hasn't done any of these things and I was struggling with that for a really long time because, like, again, like, whenever I'm approached by somebody, they immediately highlight, like, my blackness. And from there, I can see that they're not seeing past that. They're seeing me as a stereotype. And it's like, I can't, no matter how much I want to try, I can't really get around that stereotype because it's just so ingrained in the society like it's going to be a forever thing until something actually changes and that's something that I've been having to deal with for ever because since I have been identifying as asexual I've been gradually understanding that I don't have to be in this box to be this identity like I can be all-encompassing of all of these things and the fact doesn't change that being asexual has nothing to do with like sexual behavior it has to do with sexual attraction and like i can fuck 100 guys and i can not be attracted to any of them that doesn't make me any less of any sexual like same with like women i can fuck 100 women and that doesn't matter i if i'm not sexually attracted to them that's what that is and with that being something that i've started to get comfortable with while also embracing the fact that i'm still a touchy-feely person it's difficult because people that I'm with don't understand how I can be both. And I have to sit down and say, like, you know, I can enjoy the company of my partner or the company of my friend while not pursuing sexual interests or, like, not being sexually attracted to you. Like, I don't have to have that there to, like, feel something. And it just blows people's minds when they hear that. It's like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Why am I here? It's like, well, I like you. First of all, like, you're here because I enjoy your company. Second of all, I want to see where this is going. I don't have to, like, like fuck you to show you that I like you. And if that's how you've been conditioned, then we have to have a conversation about this. And I've had to have those conversations with, like, several of my partners. And, like, some of them just didn't take it very well. Like, some of them just kind of left it alone. And I had one partner who... I like told them I was I told them I was amisexual and they started crying and as they started crying I started crying <laughs> and I'm just like sitting there like okay well, well, well he's like we're both crying can we stop crying I'm like well, you're making me sad because you're sad <laughs> and like I like I gave him like all these resources to like show him like this is what this is, this is who I am this is like this is it and like essentially this is towards the end of this experience he sent me an email back saying i personally don't care about any of these things i'm not with you anymore so i'm just not gonna look at this and that's just like mind-boggling to me because that just tells me that you can like 
there are just people out there just refuse to learn and refuse to like educate themselves even if it's not for the personal if, even if it's not for the gain of their partner just like not to educate themselves it's just a disservice to like all of these like libraries that we have and all of these resources that we have to like make yourself a better person and if the person that you're with is trying to help you be better then what else can you do at that point and that's just something that I've dealt with with partners and I've had to deal with that with like certain friends like people seem to like not understand this switch back and forth I guess or just like this fact that I can be an all-encompassing being with all of these things and like that's something that I I don't want to say I'm still struggling with I'm thinks I'm gonna always have some sort of like ambiguity with that or some sort of like issue with that but I think now where I'm at in my life I'm a lot more comfortable saying that I'm not lesser of any of these things just because I'm different from this like textbook dictionary version of these things. I think that the fact that I embrace the fact that I'm different and other and you know not in the norm makes it a like better experience for whomever I end up with or whatever friendships I make because they can probably get that from themselves too like we don't have to be this one thing to fit into this one box like we don't have to even have a box we can just like be floating in the air and just like living our best lives and yeah that's that's pretty much it (laughs) thank you for sharing all of that (laughs) that's wonderful so one of the questions that pops to mind kind of goes back to the first part of your story in terms of when you finally found community when you were in college and I think that's a really kind of powerful example of how important community can be and I love to hear you kind of like talk a little bit more about what it was like for you to finally have that in terms of your Nigerian identity where you were used to people telling you like you said you're too American or not quite Nigerian enough and to finally connect with that well that school itself really I guess opened a lot of doors for me and like opened my eyes to a lot of different things I wasn't really thinking about like I was able to find that community randomly because I joined like 80 different clubs when I signed up in like undergrad and I went to all of them because I wanted to learn about all of them (laughs) and so it's funny because I joined um this like Catholic youth group and that's where I found two of the people that I'm thinking of right now um one of them's from Ghana and one of them's from Zimbabwe and they both came to America like before they're I want to say like 12 so they were like raised in their countries and then they both came here and like even though that's a little different from how I was raised, I was still able to see similarities in how they experience life and how I experience life. Because even though you end up in a certain, you end, even though you're born in a certain space, you might not like hold that on like very tightly if you end up in a different space, especially when you're young. And the assimilation of American culture and trying to hold on to that like African culture can be really really hard for some people. And it's even harder when you have issues, like, in my family, in regards to, like, communication and in regards to, like, opening up and being, like, emotional. Because you're not able to verbalize these frustrations that you have. You're, you, the only thing you can do is, like, internalize it. So I end up meeting these two kids. And first of all, I love meeting other, like, Africans, other Nigerians, because 
you usually know when you see somebody who's Nigerian. I mean, like at least like I do. Like there's always like this African stare, and you you can't like avoid it because like they'll see you and I'll see them, and then they will not leave. They will not like disconnect eye contact. They will stare at you the whole entire time. <laughs> and I'm like, that's what happened. Like the first guy, the Ghanaian dude, like he stared at me the whole entire time as we were walking and like opposite directions i'm just like what the fuck is wrong with this guy (laughs) and so he ended up in that like youth group and i didn't realize it was the same guy and so i said to him (laughs) i like yelled at him i was like what the fuck like why are you why were you staring at me like that you gave me this african stare he's like what are you talking about you know what i'm talking about (laughs) like all africans do this you know what i'm talking about he's like oh Oh, well, you know, I was just like, I'm like, no, you did it. Like, just come talk. Like, just come have a conversation <laughs> with all of us. Just, let's just sit down and talk. So we all, like, had a conversation. We talked. We all figured out, like, where we were from. We all figured out, like, our name, origins, and all of that. And, like, just, like, having them be the introduction to me being able to find other people like that, which is, like, really, really nice. And, like, again, like, I don't like being emotional about it, but, like, I don't think people understand, like, how much how important that is like i didn't grow up having like african people to see on my television screen like i didn't i didn't grow up having that representation at all so me finally getting that not on tv but like in real life is like like so fucking rewarding like i was able to like be myself i was able to be as obnoxious and be as like emotional and touchy-feely as i wanted and them just understanding it because like it's a part of their culture too and like with me being at that university i was able to find like other queer people too and i was able to like be involved in like queer like school groups i was able to be involved in the pride alliance group i was the president for like a semester i was able to like join different conversations because they opened up that floor for me and again having that space to share your truth like unapologetically is just I don't know. It just it just really like warms my heart to be able to have that space and to be able to understand how important that space is to create those spaces for other people. So just like being able to be introduced in that into that community and understanding from that standpoint why it is so important to have that community just like really changed how I ended up like expressing myself and how I ended up like approaching life and like approaching different people. <laughs> that sounds like a really positive experience and it sounds like you had so many negative ones in other schools kind of building up to that that I imagine that felt so affirming. Yeah, it was like it was just so nice. like I don't I don't think I don't credit that university enough. Like I went to Northeastern Illinois University and <laughs> that university itself when I went was just full of different people that understood different aspects of life and didn't try to negate your own aspect of life and having that space to like admit your ignorance and be able to sit down and understand where that came from and dismantle that and educate yourself and other people that are suffering from that is just like really nice and I yeah I, I don't know I just I could brag about the fact that this was just a really nice experience for me but I yeah, this is really great. <laughs> that's great. No, that's good. Do the shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> Went to NEAU. I graduated in 2010. <laughs> I might go back for grad school. Please give me letters of rec if you hear this. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tell them all to let her in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that also makes me think about in terms of, 
you talking about having to like explain identity, right? Like mm-hmm. I, with asexuality, as you were talking about, a lot of times people don't understand the spectrum of asexuality. Mm-hmm. So what have your experiences been like in kind of having to kind of validate that identity with people or really be I I find a lot of times like people will just want you to educate them, right? And all of that shouldn't be your job to yeah. educate people. I'm sure people pull on you for that. Yeah. So what is that part of that experience like for you? So, well, with being like all of the things that I am, I don't find it I'm not mad at the fact that people ask questions. I just get annoyed when people like don't bother to educate themselves outside of me. And that's where it's just like, okay, I'm not an encyclopedia. I'm not Google. Like, I only know as much as my experiences have helped me understand. So I can't tell you everything that there is to need, there is to know about asexuality or everything there is to be about being like Nigerian American. Like, these things are based off of my own personal experiences and my like experiences with other people that have experienced these things. But like, it's up to you to further your knowledge on these things and if you actually care enough to do that then here are some resources for you and keep looking after you see what you've seen and like i mentioned earlier i was like seeing it's funny because i was seeing like two people at the same time and i told them both that you know like i'm asexual and one of them didn't get it but he wanted to Mm -hmm. so like we had conversations about this like every single day the other person cried and didn't understand what that meant. And I was constantly banging my head against the wall because he just didn't want to, like, hear me. And that in itself, that situation in itself was difficult because, well, both of them were difficult because it wasn't just a, I don't want to understand what you're saying. I have to, like, I had to, like, sit down with them and, like, break down the things that were going on in their own lives on top Mm -hmm. of this one thing that they refuse to like acknowledge so it's like it's like layers of things that people don't understand it's just like not a i don't want to listen to you blah 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 blah. it's more of a like there's more depth to the reason why i don't want to listen and like with that one person who like ended up crying they had really bad experiences with women meaning like he didn't have like they didn't have anyone in their life to tell them that what they were doing was wrong Mm -hmm. so like i was that person for both these people and on top of trying to educate them on these things it's like they are mad at me because they don't want to admit that they're wrong and they get into a fight with me i leave they text me saying hey um well i sat down and understood what you said it's like okay well let's talk about this in real life and the cycle of that continued mm-hmm. and which was frustrating but the other person that person was like more queer oriented and even though they identified as like a cis like gendered male they sat down with me and like had a conversation with me about like asexuality and like all these things but the thing that i noticed across like all boards of these people like they don't like to like they like to erase the fact that i'm asexual by the like sexual things that we do and they don't and it like it's like almost disgusting for me because it doesn't invalidate in itself invalidates me like i've had people like tell me like oh are you sure you're asexual and i had to like look them in the eye like don't ever fucking say that to me again like i'm not 
a fucking game. Like, this isn't, like, a life experience for you. Like, I need you to take me seriously. I need you to educate yourself. And that's just, like, been a forever thing. Like, even with my partner that I was with for, like, the longest time, when I told him I was asexual, he also cried. And, he, <laughs> like, he understood, like, after I explained to him, like, why he shouldn't be upset, like, he understood why I was saying these things. And a lot of the things that happened in our relationship lined up because of what I said to him and after I explained to him like this is what asexuality is this is who I am they like came out to me and it was mm-hmm. like really fucking cool because I wasn't expecting that I like, came out of like left field they just sat there and they're like you know what I want to share this with you too and I'm like oh wow I would have never Aww. ever like guessed that at all and that like helped our relationship so much because mm-hmm. they opened up to me about something that they were insecure about but weren't confident enough to say to me because they weren't sure like how I would take it and like I did the same thing but at first and that in itself opened up his like their own interests and curiosities and like different things and like that was the healthiest relationship that I had in regards of being open with my sexuality I wish that people would understand that it's not a linear thing this is girl I just opened up her Instagram so her name is Yasmin Benoy, and she's from the UK, and she started this hashtag called This Is What Asexuality Looks Like, and the reason why I'm, like, saying it in this platform is because, like, she's also, like, a black woman, and she's a goth black woman, like, she dresses in, like, leather and, like, like bondage and, like, all this, like, cool shit, but, like, this is, she's asexual, and, like, I mentioned before, like, when it comes to, like, the sexuality and the hypersexualization of like black women and being this identity as well, it's so difficult to have to validate yourself every single day and have to validate yourself on the fucking internet with the people you're dating, with whomever ends up seeing you or hearing like the fact that you're out loud about it. It's just like I don't have to be this one thing. Like this is what asexuality looks like. And then under all the hashtags, you see different types of people, like people who are married, with kids, with no kids, the dog. Like, it's just amazing. It's so cool. And I just love the fact that there are people, again, that look like me, that are able to understand that this isn't, like, we shouldn't have to fit into this one role or fit into this one identity just to, like, appease and, like, make you understand that this is here we're all human and we all have different ways of expressing that and this is one of the ways that you do it speaking of plugs it's about time for shameless plugs okay so what do you have you would like to plug and i'm going to kind of add to that also because as we're talking about people educating themselves Mm -hmm. what resources would you say people should go check out to learn more about asexuality especially now that tumblr has kind of fuck things up yeah where <laughs> is the info where is the most accurate information so for that i want to say that the most accurate and up-to-date place you can look up things about asexuality and all the like umbrella terms that encompass that i want to say it's the avon network a-v-e-n and it's called the asexuality visible and education network or you can go to asexuality.org and that's also what I use to, like, try and, like, figure these things out. Because, like, within asexuality, there's, like, there's, like, gray, sex- gray sexuality, demisexuality, and, like, other terms that fall into that. And that was a really good place for me, uh, on top of Tumblr being a place. <laughs> it was a good place for me to just find out definitions in general. 
and like with each identity they like say like different like scenarios of why you would think that you're not and they would also like add the answer saying well you can still be this and still be asexual you can still do this and be asexual that's not the point of what this is like this is a title you can still be an all-encompassing human and have all of the others all these other things while also being that and that was just a good place for me to start looking at like how to like process this and then I just like went down a rabbit hole and just like <laughs> found everything that I could in regards of like asexuality like asexuality kinks asexuality like families asexual like everything like it's awesome yeah it's really cool is there anything you want to personally plug so I model and I photograph that's the thing I do um <laughs> if you all are interested in being shot by me with a camera not a gun <laughs> um and like, <laughs> and like interested in me like like shooting for your brands or anything like my instagram is ashabi a-s-h-a-b-i dot o-w-a and you can find all my stuff on there i'm building a website soon where i'll have like all my photography and my like art up there so it'll be in one concise place and yeah that's pretty much it also you should listen to this really cool podcast that i'm on it's called uh beyond queer stories <laughs> and um we launch an episode every monday you should definitely subscribe on every single thing that you can subscribe to listening podcasts on and if you're listening to it on itunes you should rate us five stars <laughs> so we can continue making awesome content and get yes. sponsored and get money for food that we're eating so <laughs> and on itunes leave us a review that would be awesome if you mm. could actually write something write why you listen why you like it that would help us as well if you all could write a little bit even just one quick sentence would be amazing let us know why you listen what yeah. you love about it like give us feedback let us know why you love this podcast let us know what else you want to see let us know why you listen to it and if you share it with other people follow us on instagram mm -hmm. follow us on facebook yeah yeah thank you thanks thanks for sharing your story with of us. course <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Queer Stories. Also check out the creator of our podcast music, B. Studwell. She's an incredible queer artist from D.C. and you can check out her music at bstudwell.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes, don't forget to rate us so others will be able to find our podcast. Talk, Talk to you all, all next week. week. Next time on Beyond Queer Stories. Every time I go to a new healthcare provider, I am forced to come out all over again and often have to do more educating about my body and my health issues than the other way around. And when I've needed to see a gynecologist, the insurance companies don't seem to know how to code those treatments for someone who is legally male, which means I always have to pay out of pocket. Bye. Bye.